Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. When radical leaves are awash with semi-solid mud, and bushes drip water clumsy as tallow drops, and plants and seedlings are bound down in clammy, quiet dark, slugs appear. A slug is a boneless finger, the same size, of the same consistency. Flesh that can stiffen and move can be clasped, but has no core. A slug is an improved model of a caterpillar, its eyes mounted on pylons to see further and more aesthetically at a taller angle. But its vision is sight only, at the slightest touch, not sensitively but hysterically, its vision withdraws into a squashy, tubular experience. Welcome to Cop on Podcast, you juicy little kumquat. Those opening lines were from a poem called The Slug by James McLeod, and I chose it because Big Sam is back. Loathe him or loathe him, the mince pie monster has returned to his to wobble his enormous jowls over the Premier League banquet table once again. You can block us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast. Email us your knitting patterns to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. Support us for as little as one US dollar per month via patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast or simply send a friend the, uh, uh, the link to this episode. CopOn is for you. CopOn is for free. CopOn is ad free. Thank you so much dear listener for being a dear and listening and enjoy this episode. Happy New Year. Wow. Um, I'm really, really happy that uh, both Ryan and Robin are here with me. I've had a hell of a day. Lots of different things have happened, um, among uh, which um, I cracked a tooth, um, one of my front teeth as well. So I look quite cartoonish. Uh, luckily, this is an audio podcast um i uh i burned my mouth on my dinner uh, when i was cooking it to see if it was warm enough and um what you know there was no it was sort of defied the laws of physics because there was no steam coming off um but it absolutely it was actually hotter than you know the plasma um that is the sun uh and then, of course, you know, lots of other things went wrong. Uh, but um, the boiler, for example, doesn't work. So I've got a hot water bottle now. If you can hear some slopping and slurping around. There you go. That's my hot water bottle proof for you. But I'm delighted, despite all of that, and despite Liverpool having disappointingly, terribly disappointingly, drawn at home at Anfield to Big Sam. He can't put on a mask correctly, Robin. Um, but he can set up a team to play very tedious thug ball. And it was horrible to watch, uh, as it always is with Big Sam. 
And there was a moment, where, for me, it was when Matic went off injured with his injured willy that maybe we'll, we could talk about now or we'll talk about later. I don't know how you can injure your willy so much you have to come off in the middle of a football match, but it appears that's what he did. Um, and Robin, I don't know, that was the moment for me when I just thought, yeah, it's they're going to get an equaliser somehow. Lo and behold, they did. Are you OK, Robin? Are you, are you as, as pissed off as I am? Yeah, I'm pissed off. I'm probably pissed off more than you. It's just it feels as though every time we have an opportunity to do something to push us further up the table, something happens. So happened with Fulham, happened with West Brom today. And it's strange after the kind of performance we've seen against Tottenham and Palace that we put in this kind of um, show where it feels like the players, something's not right, something's not clicking. Is I don't know if it's a mentality thing, and we couldn't, we can't argue with the starting eleven that we had. It's a pretty strong starting eleven. You wouldn't feel disheartened with whoever is in the the first eleven playing. So I don't know what happened. We started really well, and I think the first goal, well, the only goal, that, the goal that we scored with money, I think that w- I thought that would have settled our nerves and would be able to crack on and push on from there, but. It just never happened. After the goal that we scored, it feels as though the chances came few and far between. So um, it's just a bad day at the office. Um, the only solace that we can take is our teams around us also lost points, except for City. And it's starting to slowly take shape of Liverpool and City buying out for the top two. The way it's going and all the other teams are not very consistent enough, but it's worrying that we can't seem to put on a good run of games where we're um, picking up points left, right and centre. We've had, what, seven, eight games on the win, and I think that was nice, but it's just frustrating against a lowly West Brom team and Sam Allardyce does what he does best um, of grinding out points. And I think in the pre-match that I saw analysis, um, I think Jim Renap and Bobby Zamora were mentioning that this is what he does. He he works out exactly how to take points, even going at 1-0 down at half-time. I don't think that bothered them too much as long as they're within the within reach of the game and exactly what happened. It's a uh, it's chance that they had. They took the advantage. If we'd scored the second, we had a little bit of daylight, then I think we would have gone on to score third, fourth, fifth, because I think they would have demoralised the will of the players for West Brom, just like how the Palace players did last week. And um, I don't know what to say about um, Matip. I'll let you guys talk about that because it's just a bit strange. But um, it's just frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. I just hope we can still push on a, pull on a run together and pull away from the rest. It's just frustration. I think that's the word that I'm feeling. That's the emotion I'm feeling at the moment. Absolutely, yeah, totally. It's absolutely frustrating. I'm, uh, I, I don't know. I was going to say something um, that I shouldn't, so I won't. Um, Ryan uh, Hendo pre-match in the program, he which was available online, he said uh, we've done a lot of things right over the last twelve months, but we have to keep that going if we want the awards and accolades to continue, uh, which is very true. But then you know this season. Only this season we failed to beat Arsenal twice, uh, Villa, Everton, Mid-Chiland, Brighton, Fulham and West Brom. 
Um, is there a pattern emerging? I mean, is there, you know, I mean, Robin mentioned a bad day at the office, but is this just, you know, it, it's, it's becoming a bit too regular, isn't it? Not quite. Um, so you, you mentioned all of these teams that we, we should have beaten and haven't. Uh, but when it mattered and we played Arsenal, we beat them. When we played Spurs, who I think we can all agree are a better team and, and also set up defensively, uh, we, we managed to beat them. I think there's a wider question there of whether there's a mentality issue going into these games with teams that we're supposed to beat. But then you analyse or you throw in something like the Crystal Palace game where we've given them an absolute hide. And, and I don't think it's that either. I don't think there's an issue with the mentality. I think we've had a few problems with injuries, We've had a bad day today. I thought we lacked a little bit creatively. Um, and also, credit where it's due, Big Sam's done something that genuinely, from what I could see, no other team has done this season. And that is play a flat back six. I think. Six. Like at one point they had five at the back and then five in midfield and none up front. And then at other points they had six at the back and four in midfield and none up front. You're you're very generous to call it midfield. I, I, sorry, to, I, sorry to, to to interrupt, but I mean, you, I, I, for me, it was a, just a back ten in two lines of five or back six, as you said. By all means, but what it does is it makes it hard not just for the the front three to to find any space, but it makes it hard for uh, the likes of Robertson or Trent to get in behind them because you've essentially got two players doubling up at all times, and then you've got. You actually have Matip and Fabinho, weirdly, for the first half an hour of the game, playing camp, which is insane. The pair of them just camped 35 or 30 to 35 yards outside the, the, the West Brom goal. And you've got all these players in this one tiny space, and there's just not enough room to do anything. In fact, the goal that we do score comes from an actual gem. Like it's, a, it's a beautiful moment of magic from, from Sadio. The, the ball that comes into him, when you first see that ball go in, you don't think, oh, this is a chance. And then he just makes it a, an absolutely amazing goal from almost nothing. So, look, bad day at the office. We're, we've dropped points to a team that we should beat handily. Uh, but we're still three points clear at the top. Let's keep some perspective. It's going to be just fine. And if it isn't just fine, it won't be because of today. I like that. I like that answer. Thank you so much. Um, yes, I'm sure tomorrow, you know, once the frustration has died down, I, I will be able to look at the bigger picture and, and think, yes, um, because West Brom are, are a little bit of a bogey team. I don't know who, who who knows this, who's listening, or if either of you guys know this, but um, after Liverpool won 10 of our first 11 Premier League meetings with, with West Brom, we now have... You know, with an aggregate score of twenty-eight to two uh, in the first eleven Premier League games against West Brom, home and away, um, we've only won four of the last fourteen against them. So people were talking about Palace being a bogey team because they remember thirteen, fourteen, but uh, we always beat Palace, and we never seem to beat West Brom. We're always drawing against them. You know, drawn. Seven or something, and uh, something like that. In I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. Um, uh, Robin, uh, is there a way though with the back ten that we were talking about, so that other teams, you know, don't copy it? Um, lots of teams play back nine against us, but they keep one as the outball. Um, 
Sam was not even interested in that. Um, what's the best way to get behind get to get behind them to 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 break that you know absolutely turgid putrid nonsense down? Um, it was very turgid. Um, I think I think we've got lots of armory in our attack where we can. It's like a Swiss Army knife where. We look at lots of different options of how to get the job done. So we don't always go by one form of attack. So we've got both our fullbacks. If we had a fit Van Dyke, he also can play long raking passes, which puts them on the back foot and gets in behind them. Our midfielders can do them, whether it's Fab playing in there or Hendo. And Fab can do that from defence as well now where he is. Um, we can turn players over. Our front three are very intelligent. We've got lots of different ways of working that, working that through, and we usually find a way. It is tough, and with Thiago on the wings, waiting, well, not the wing, but uh, waiting to come back, he's another maestro that can unpick a very solid low block team as well. You just need a little bit of patience. Now with those kind of teams where when they have so many players playing behind the lines and defending for their lives, sooner or later, concentration usually slips. So we've been credited with many late wins because we wear their teams down. We have a very good level of fitness in our teams, um, physical fitness, and shifting their defence and midfield from left to right to left to right. And all of a sudden, you get a 60-yard pass from Trent that plays it to Robbo. It moves everybody across. So the concentration lapses become more prominent as the game wears on. So I think we've got lots of different ways of breaking that team down. I'm not saying we're the best. Um, well, we were one of the best teams. But I'm not saying we've always get it right. We, we, we've been looking for a playmaker to fill that gap of Coutinho for a little while. And we think that this midfield and this system that we have has fixed that. And I think Thiago is a good part to add to that element. And so we'll find ways, but... If a team plays so defensively like they have done today, then what they lack is when they do get the ball out, there's no one to aim for. So he just goes up to the halfway line to where Matip or um, uh, Fabinho are standing and we just recycle the position and go in again. And that can be quite demoralising. It's just all uh, backs to the wall job. And all you're doing is thinking about defending. And to do that for 90, 95 minutes is very, very tough. And we just need one breakthrough. And with the intelligence we have, with the players that we have, with uh, your term and our front three, it's it's hard to defend against that. And if we win one nil against one of those teams, three points is all that matters. So I don't see other teams playing to that. And they can try but Big Sam, he's got a knack of organising his defence. What I'm very impressed about is how quickly he managed to do that in the eight, nine days he's been at the club. And I think that's why he is the go-to man when teams are suffering from relegation because he manages to get those quick fixes and he's always been a little thorn on our side. Um, so I think you, you mentioned, Owen, as well, credit where credit's due for West Brom for the way they battered it out. And I think they will celebrate this point as a victory for them um, because of the situation they're in. And it's just, we just need to be a little bit better. I, I think if we were on top form with all of our players playing the way they should have, I think we would, be, we would have um, broken through that defence. I just think that 
we just never really got started. There were a glimpse of moments where we played really well, especially in the opening few minutes where it seemed that we had, we had loads of chances from Robertson on the left-hand side. There were some dangerous crosses coming. There's some crosses that we just missed out on. But after that, our creativity lacked a little bit and we just got frustrated. Um, it's just something for us to move on, learn from it, make sure we don't do that again and and put it down to experience and just carry on. Yes, I hope so. I hope we can learn from it. And uh, it's, you're very, you're absolutely right with your what you're saying. You know, we, there's so much that we can add to to a performance like that. So much to bring in Tiago Alcantara for one. But... Can I also, add uh -huh. I mean, our closest rival is arguably Man City. Still, regardless of what the league table perhaps say, but Man City are probably the the closest well-equipped team to be able to challenge for the title along with us right and if you look at their creativity they don't have that many facets so uh, De Bruyne is obvious and they've got uh, some skill and um, intelligence from people like Sterling and uh, Mares and Ferran Torres but then they don't offer a lot from the rest of the midfield especially that David Silva not there they don't offer hardly anything from our, their fullbacks so they're a lot more one-dimensional than us. We've got many different ways of creating that chance. So, yes, today was a bad day, but I think our team is equipped in the long term to be able to create chances more than just relying upon a Coutinho-type figure or De Bruyne-type figure to unpick defences, which we have relied upon in the past with Steven Gerrard and these kind of players. Yeah, but I don't see... I've been saying it for since the season began. I don't think Man City is... Is the yardstick anymore? I disagree with you there. I mean, they're in fifth place. Um, you know, XG, they've got 26 total XG. Liverpool have got 30. Their XG against is 12. Um, Aston Villa, for example, have a, a total XG of 27. That's one more. And uh, XG against of, of also 12 or 13. So, you know, they're sort of on a similar level to Villa, in my opinion. They really are. I think Villa are much better than people uh, imagine they are. And I think uh, City are a lot worse. I, I would imagine City getting into that top four. I mean, the, the race for the top four includes Everton. It really does. Uh, Leicester, um, Man United, Man City... Aston Villa and Chelsea and Tottenham. Okay, that's uh, seven teams. Um, I'm. I still think Liverpool are going to win the league. Um, you know, we've got 32 points after 15 matches. We, we're going along all right, and we, we, with the players coming back, I do think we're going to win the league. I mean, assuming we can finish the league with this new strain of COVID, this bastard situation. But um, I just don't see City. I think. I don't know. I, th I think you're right. We have got threat coming from everywhere. But it could have been better today, Ryan, the threat. We could have threatened a lot more. Um, we did manage, if you look at the stats, we did manage 17 shots on target. But whereas normally we have an average per match this season of, I think it's 7.38 shots on target per match. In this match, we only had two. And our XG from understat... Um, according to their XG model, was 1.45. Uh, we had, I've, I've got a map of all of the shots we took. We took 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Actually managed, according to this, 7 shots or eight, maybe even 8. One might be hidden a bit from inside the box. Um, 
so yeah we should have just been more clinical is that really you know that's really all we need to do um yes is the short answer to that uh, i think we we had a little bit of an off day with the front three i think because of the the tactical changes that sam had made uh, big sam had made there uh, we found that there was less space for all three of them i thought of the three, and I know Sadio gets his goal, but I actually thought Firmino, despite getting hooked, was actually the best of the three of them. I thought he had a great game until he was hooked. Uh, I might be on my own in that, but I, I thought he was popping up in really cool little spaces and trying. he just kept trying things in really dangerous areas, and not all of them came off, but some of them, uh, well, didn't either. None of it came off, really, looking at the scoreline, but looking at the actual game itself... I thought he was the most likely to unlock that defence and as the game went on um, Mo just looked less and less likely to be able to create something so I was quite surprised when I saw the Riki come on for Bobby rather than I don't know for, for one of the other two in the front three or even one of the midfielders um, I just I just think it, it's one of those days where it doesn't quite go right for you like last week we had it where everything goes right for you and today it's not quite worked and and we'll have those days. That's fine. Um, but we it doesn't change the quality that we have up front. You know, we're still aware of how amazing these players are. So come, is it Newcastle we've got next? If it is, I fully expect us to just put Newcastle to the sword. Yeah, it is Newcastle. Oh my lord. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, you know stats, it's not very pretty with stats when you when when you when you're playing the back ten that we were talking about before. Um, you know, a lot of these XG, it's one, one of my problems with the, with the model itself. Um, we had seven or eight shots from inside the box, but there were, you know, also eight defenders in the box ready to block them, such as Sam's tactics. And, you know, fair play to him, by the way, for, for doing that. I mean, you know, um, it's not, if, you know, had he tried to attack Liverpool, of course, we, we would have absolutely torn him apart, like we tore Leeds apart, for example. But... Um, statistically speaking, the attacking stats, I mean, Mohamed Salah managed uh, three shots. Uh, Trent apparently managed three shots. I don't remember those. Um, oh, yeah, the free kick, uh, two free kicks that were very disappointing. Uh, for, but for Mino, you mentioned uh, there, uh, Ryan, yeah, two shots, one on target, one key pass, one dribble, apparently. But, yeah, he looked like he was he was... Mixing things things up a bit. Sadio Mane, three shots, one on target, one key pass, one dribble. Um, and Mohamed Salah, yet yeah, three shots, none on target, one key pass and one dribble as well. So not the greatest, really. Um, but Ryan, I want to ask you about Curtis. Curtis Jones, he was hooked on 82 minutes. Um, he, he tried four dribbles. I thought he was... He was doing really well, but then he made that big mistake just before that led to the corner, that led to the goal. And I think he will get unjust criticism because he was, uh, you know, putting himself about. I thought he was good today. Who's he getting unjust criticism from? Like, he's scouse, so it's not going to be most of, like, the Liverpool base fans who, you know, yeah. still think the sun shines out of his backside. Um, no, nah, I... Don't get me wrong, it wasn't Curtis's best game. Uh, I thought he, he was a little bit passive in his play, and, and sometimes he, he did like have a, a little bit of a, 
I want to say half-hearted, but not. It, it wasn't, you know, at any point that I think he's going to scream on in like he did against Everton. Um, and I just, I think this game would have been better suited to someone like Naby, and I know he's injured. It's fine. That's, you know, it is par for the course for Naby that he'll come in and do great one week and then immediately he's ruled out injured for a bit. And then he'll come back in and he'll be amazing again, I'm sure. But I just... With Jones today, he's not had his best game. That's fine. He's 19. He's going to be relatively inconsistent anyway. Uh, and even though it wasn't his best game, I thought he did all right. He was fine. You know, he didn't. I know you mentioned that he made a mistake, but it's there are a couple of mistakes leading up to their goal. The Jones gives it away. Then I think Williams puts it behind for the corner, and then obviously they score from that corner. But yeah. Bad day at the office for everyone, but we'll 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 grow from it. You know the youngsters will learn from this and be better players for it, and and we'll be a stronger team for it. Hopefully, well, hopefully, hopefully, absolutely. Um, yeah, Robin, uh, who stood out? I mean, let's try and look at some positives. Uh, there were some really good performances uh, today from Liverpool players. Who stood out for you? I think um, Mane played well. I think I agree with Ryan. I think. Um, Firmino, um, his passing, his movement, he tried to be positive. I thought he was quite well. I thought Matip didn't have a bad game until he went off. Um, I thought in the first half, especially Robertson, um, put some very dangerous and good crosses into the box as well. I don't think anybody shone amazingly. I thought a few of them had an okay game. A few of them, as the word that Ryan said, is they were passive. With um, with Curtis Jones... Um, Ryan mentioned about who's criticising Curtis Jones. Uh, there will be an element of people that will criticise, not me. Um, I just want the guy to do brilliantly. I want him to be the next Steven Gerrard. But <clears throat> even if he does receive criticism and people say anything about him, I think that's a test of character that can make somebody elevate themselves to the next level. And I hope whatever criticism that Curtis John will undoubtedly will receive from the worldwide Liverpool fandom, he uses that to galvanise his steel to be more focused on becoming a better player because every single player, no matter who you are, even your Messi and Ronaldo, at some time during the course of your career will receive criticism. It's how you react and bounce back from that. Now, I think the setup in Melwood and Liverpool and all the players around him are strong enough and positive enough to be able to push him to overcome those and not let it dwell upon him too much and take it too hard to think that let's be better. We've seen so many interviews with Henderson where he's had low points in his life at different situations and results that happen in the way and he's used that as fuel to be able to push him to become even better to the player that we all adore now and there's there's more or less 0% of Liverpool fan base will ever question Henderson again which wasn't so the case five, six, seven years ago so I hope Curtis Jones in his early fledgling days that he has at Liverpool he will use that uh, as a, a positive about, uh, springboard for him to become even better. Because we all know he's got the quality. We all know he's got the ability to be able to get there. But all players, all young players will have this um, this dip. So let's let's just hope that he doesn't, you, uh, he, he doesn't put him back. Because 
He's he's such a good player. We all hope him and wish him to be the next best thing because he's got all the tools in, uh, in the box. Um, I thought Henderson also had a decent game. Um, not great, but just decent. Um, it's just there was a spark missing from today, which I thought the front three were okay, but I think up against such uh, big numbers in the West Brom team, I think we struggled to find the space or the final pass didn't work or that header from Salah who just was headed down or that great save by the keeper. It's just little things just didn't go our way. And it's funny when you talk about we weren't clinical enough today compared to, what, eight shots, seven goals last week. It was just a completely different story. If only we can take one of the goals from last week and put it into this week, that would have been great, but unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Yeah, unfortunately not. I mean, uh, you know, 16-0 would have would have suited me quite well from our 17 shots. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah, great stuff there. Um, Ryan, did anyone else stand out for you? Or, you know, do you want to talk about you know, maybe some poor performances or some good performances? Let's talk about some poor performances. First one, Kevin Friend. Because I hate Kevin Friend. I've hated Kevin Friend since he gave a penalty against Steve Finnan way back in the way back machine. I thought he was awful today. First 80 minutes, he's given everything to West Brom. If they go down from the slightest of gusts of wind, he's blown up for a free kick and given them the chance to relieve some pressure on themselves. And then, weirdly, last 10 minutes, he just seemed to lose his whistle. There's a couple of of moments there where it would have been soft, don't get me wrong, but that Fairlong was itching to give away a pen. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a cheeky father on us to win or something because... Like he's he's all over man. He's like he's very physical with him in the box, which I think is, is a dicey game at best at the best of times. Um, but I thought that Fairlong could have given away a penalty on another day. Would have been soft, but could have. Uh, referees poor. We were all relatively poor. Too many sort of hopeful, but not particularly accurate balls into the box. Uh, because and and to be fair to. To, to West Brom, it's because they've cut down, shut down all other uh, avenues into the box. But uh, Robertson was probably our, well, was in my opinion our best player on the day. Uh, Henderson is good, but he is guilty of putting too many, I don't want to say aimless balls into the box, but not accurate enough balls into the box. Everything seemed to be a little bit overhit, uh, which. When when you're trying to get into the weeds of a one-all draw with a very defensive West Brom, it, it, it doesn't make for the, the most glamorous of compliments, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, great answer, great answer. Um, Henderson, uh, 155 passes with a 91% passing accuracy. I thought he was really good as well, but five of those were crosses. Yes, those... Slightly wild crosses. Uh, there were 35 crosses in total. Andy Robertson had 12. Trent had 10. Vineldum had 1. Uh, Sadio Mane had 5. And Chamberlain, when he came on, had 2 crosses. And, and I believe that's 35. Um, and for me, that's a bad sign because I think you're crossing when you sort of run out of ideas a bit against against uh, this kind of team because West Brom want you to cross, no, Ryan? I did see an interesting stat about Hendo. He played 107 first-half passes, whereas the entire West Brom team played 102. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, well, that's their tactics. That's their tactics. They had 21% possession today, uh, but they still managed one more shot on target than us with their three shots on target, five shots in total for them. Um, they were just a bit lucky. The thing that's going to piss me off more than anything is the fact that they'll, you know, they'll talk about, you know, a masterclass, a big Sam masterclass. But they were just a bit fucking lucky. And that's the most thing. <laughs> Excuse my language, but cheapers creepers. It was uh, it was not easy to watch. Robin. Can I quote something from our friend Karen Hindoka in Dutcha? He, he, he wrote a really nice stat. So he said that Sam Allardyce has now won more points at Anfield, which is five points, since April 2017 than the other big six teams combined, which is four points. A third, <laughs> of, the po- a third of all points won by visiting teams in that time frame have been teams managed by Allardyce. So we talk about him being lucky, but there must be some element of um, what's the word I'm looking for. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. So give 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 some 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 element of of skill or acumen or uh, I don't know some gravy. That's it. So if all these other like Pep Guardiola's and Jose Marinos and all these other managers couldn't do it, and Sam Allardyce has, then you got to give him a little bit of credit for that. As much as we hate it and it's it's anti football and it's just horrible to watch, but. He's, he knows a formula or he's stumbled across a, a system that knows how to stop us from getting the full three points, which other managers haven't been able to succeed on. So as much as I hate that, that's a good stat by Karen. It's a lovely stat. And yeah, hello to Karen and, and thank you for for reading that out. But I I'd still think they were lucky. I think Liverpool are learning to deal with these low block teams um, Tottenham was very similar. Uh, we had 17 shots against Tottenham, but 11 were on target. Um, they had three more shots than than West Brom. They had eight, and it was a very very similar tactics to the second half because the second half West Brom did keep a one person up sometimes as an outball. Um, but I just think we 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 are good against the low blocks. It's just sometimes. The low block teams get lucky. Atletico Madrid is a great uh, example of that. When they came, I mean, they were better than us in the first leg. That was proper, you know, anti football at its best, if you like. But the return leg at Anfield was an absolute tragedy. The 2 3, 3 2 just before the lockdown. We had 34 shots that day <laughs> with 11 on target. And uh, they had 10 with 6 on target and they scored 3. Of those, so I mean, it's just I just think sometimes yes, you can always win. You can take a team of amateurs and you can play that tactic, and you know, one time in, you know, in ten or maybe you know five times in, in six if you're Allardyce, you get that result. But it's statistically it's 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 always like an anomaly that's I don't know. You just always need that element of luck and they they got it today um we could have been better but uh, the thing that that i didn't like was um the way we were cruising in the second half robin we were cruising like you know um people do at nightfall in the dodgy wood next to my place in paris um it was not pretty robin that second half no it was hard to watch um I don't know what happened to us. We just 
took our foot off the gas. Um, it's almost as though we expected to win and it was just going to be a formality and we just have to go through the motions. And it's annoying because Klopp spoke before the, uh, before the match that of what kind of challenges a, a Sam Allardyce team poses us. And so we, we, in words, in theory, knew that what we had to do, but that didn't quite translate onto the football pitch. And that was the most frustrating thing. And there's a part of me even thought that after the West Brom had scored their goal, it would ignite us into gear and we'd go full throttle and just go for the throw and, and we'd go for it. And that never really happened. Um, it's just a shame that, we just didn't get a second goal. I, I honestly did think that a second goal would have changed the whole complexion of it because we could have afforded to just keep the ball and just not give it to them and let's see what they do and, and pick our moments. But that just that never that never happened. Um, it was it was hard to watch. We, we just didn't kick on another gear. Hopefully, we don't have too many of this now. We may have been a little bit spoiled as Liverpool fans with the kind of seasons that we've had over the last two years, amassing high 90s and nearly 100 points, where we see us winning nearly every single game. That's not normal for it to happen. It's only been like this for the last two or three years with Man City and us. So this might be a bit more normal of what it's like. Sometimes you win, sometimes you draw. It doesn't mean that we can't win a title. Um, the teams around us, in comparison, are losing more points on a regular regularity than we, what we are because we sit uh, top of the table at the moment um, with uh, well, 14, 15 games played. So it doesn't look that bad, but we the barometer that we compare itself is um, quite high. So I think Ryan mentioned quite nicely. It's just like we just move on, put it back, um, put this back behind us. And just carry on because we still look the most consistent team in the league. We still have the most firepower. We still have a few more players to come back from injury. And I think we'll get better. And I think we've all seen against big teams that the the players um, rise up to the occasion and, and then pull out another gear as well. So it's unfortunate what it is. We could have been five, six, ten points ahead like we were this time last year. But... We're not in the same. This league, this season's completely different. So, let's not dwell upon it too much, and let's carry on. And I agree with Ryan as well. Again, that I think Newcastle are not well put together, and I think that will be a very different story. And if we don't get the full three points against Newcastle, I'll be bitterly disappointed then. Yeah, let's move on to talk about that. Uh, but just before I do, um, Ryan, I, yeah, I was going to follow up on what you said about Kevin Friend. Um, he gave five fouls against West Brom. He, he, only five times, according to him, did they commit a foul. Um, whereas eight times Liverpool committed a foul in Kevin Friend's book. And the, the inconsistency is, is glaring. But I do want to move on to, to, to Newcastle. Because um, there's something that I noticed with the points we've been dropping. Um, with the exception, perhaps, of Brighton, because... That was what we were expecting. We expected them to be good, and they were. Um, I thought Fulham surprised us. If you look at all of the points where all the games we should have won that we haven't so far this season, um, there's been an element of surprise, I think. Um, 
Um, Everton were just fucking lucky. Uh, Villa, we lost that game. We got hammered. That was a massive shock that they were, you know, Jack Grealish turned into sort of, you know, a cross between, between who? Between, um, you know, George Best and Kenny Dalglish and Speedy Gonzalez or or something out there on the left wing. Um, but they, they surprised us. Uh, Everton surprised us because they weren't... At, they absolutely god awful. I mean, they were pretty shit, but they were they weren't absolutely god awful. Um, Arsenal surprised us by actually being able to defend uh, in the Community Shield, for example. Fulham surprised us because they were a completely different team to the one that started the season. And West Brom surprised us today, well, in a way because they, you know, it's it's a completely different way that they set up under Allardyce that they would under Slavin Bilic. Um, Newcastle don't have that element of surprise, Ryan, because they're managed by Steve Bruce, and I imagine that a car's water biscuit has more imagination than Steve Bruce. How confident are you that Newcastle will just roll over like a, you know, like an excited dog? Supremely confident, knowing an excited dog and how keen they are to roll over. Uh, I am supremely confident about us beating Newcastle, partially because they haven't got that much depth. We've got more depth than they have in our squad. I think they're either going to have tired legs or have to play people who just aren't good enough to to really take the field against us. And and whilst you could argue that about West Brom, I'm not convinced that the players quite buy into Steve Bruce as a manager up at Newcastle. The fans certainly don't. Um, so yeah, I'm supremely confident that we go in there and we score early and then keep scoring. The question for me is who plays because I think we will have to rotate because uh, Matt has snapped his banjo, so he's not playing. Um, so we are gonna have to bring someone else in, <laughs> probably Reese Williams. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if we did a little bit of a diddle and put Henderson in at centre-back and tried something a bit more attacking. Um, maybe Tacky. And, and say, Genie care to hold down the fort and let Tacky do all the, the little bits in between the midfield and, and, the, and the attack. It's all that link-up stuff and, and you can augment that. Because um, similarly to the way West Brom started the game and, and they didn't finish the game this way, but the way West Brom started the game was to have everyone behind the ball and later on they had one, maybe even two people uh, to, to try and aim for when they tried to hoof it clear. Uh, but I, I I don't think Sam Maximan's fit. So, you know, I don't think Callum Chambers can quite do it all on his own. Um, and I think we just steamroll them. I think they'll, they'll have tired legs, like I said, and won't be able to keep up with us. I'd really like it if we had Naby fit, but yeah, if wishes were fishes, then the world would be an ocean. <laughs> yeah, nice expression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it, Naby, of course, he's missing today. I, I can't be asked to talk about him um, because it's just going over the same old thing. He should be fit and he's not, so he can't help us. Um, you know, well, we don't know what's wrong with him. I mean, you know, I, hope he's, I hope he's not sick or anything. You know, I hope he's okay, of course, but it's just, I don't know, to be missing again... 
I don't want to go over that conversation again. Um, I've got Newcastle matches in front of me. Uh, since they started playing two games a week, uh, that started on the 12th of December. Uh, they won that first match against West Brom. I'm jealous. 2-1. Uh, then they played uh, Wednesday, midweek. They never usually do that. They got hammered by Leeds 5-2. Then they played the following Saturday. They drew with 10-man Fulham uh, at home in, in Newcastle. Then they lost to Brentford in the quarterfinal of the EFL Cup uh, the Tuesday after the Saturday. And yesterday... They got absolutely um, pummeled 2-0. It was only 2-0, but uh, Man City aren't, aren't the greatest team, as I keep saying. And City were just miles better than them. Um, Robin, do you share Ryan's um, enthusiasm for this Newcastle game that we're going to absolutely trounce them? I hope so. I watched the Newcastle game. Um, uh my in-laws, my whole family from my wife's side are all Geordies and they're all Newcastle fans. We watched it all um, with them, uh, 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 online with them, and uh, it was such a, it was a rubbish match. Newcastle didn't offer anything. There was nothing good about them. Um, I couldn't put my finger on anything that they can have hope to beat Man City with. Everything was just rubbish. The passes were poor. They weren't finding the targets. They didn't have a, a way of playing. The defence had too many gaps between the full-backs and the centre-backs. They had no one to put the ball out from. I don't understand why Callum Wilson wasn't playing today. It seems like they knew that this game was going to be lost, so why would you risk your best striker to play and save him for the same next match? It was just... I just didn't quite understand it. I'm just surprised that they didn't lose by a bigger scoreline. And don't get me wrong, I actually quite like Newcastle. Newcastle, because of my in-laws and because they're, they're nice people, I want them to do well, But um, and I was wishing them to do well, but they just had nothing. It was just really rubbish. And I hope that rubbish team turns up against us and we can score another seven against them as well. <laughs> that, would, that would be nice. That would be lovely. But what 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 team would you go for? Ryan's going all out attack, sticking Tacky in there, and 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 Jordan at central defence. Are you doing the same thing? Well, that would be lovely. But I just realised if my in laws are listening to this, you know, I still love them loads, right? Yeah, but I, I do want you guys to have seven nil. Yes, good idea. Put a disclaimer on there. Okay. Disclaimer. Yeah, done now. Right. Um, so who would I put in the team? Um, I think the team that played today is one of our strongest teams. It, it wouldn't be that much more difference. And you're right about Naby. There's not much to say that we haven't said already about him. And we don't have the luxury of too many other players to come in. Um, you've got Shaq and Milner who are on the bench and all, uh, ready for start up today. But I think the team that's played today is pretty much ready. Um, Minamino coming in is fine. Um but where would you play? So maybe uh, Hendo and Genie and drop uh, Jones back into the bench with Minamino to play as the more forward of the front uh, of the mid four three. Um, I wouldn't disagree too much with that as well. And whichever centre back we get, if if um, Matip doesn't recover, whichever centre back we get, I don't think there is too much in between that Phillips and Rice Williams as well. Um, I wouldn't mind too much, but. I, to me, even if we win 1-0, 7-0, 10-0, it's just three points. I want us to get those points on the table and then work towards our 
big games against the other top big six. I don't know, six anymore. Can you still call Arsenal in the top six, a uh, big six? I don't think you can. But... Oh, God, no. Absolutely not. No, top eight this season. <laughs> top eight. <laughs> we're going to extend it down to the top 17 teams that we're going to play against with the way that rate that's going. <laughs> but um, as long as we, we, we pull ourselves away from the teams that are challenging... In, in, in the top five, six uh, position of the league, I'll be happy with that. But I think we should, I think it'll be a better game than we have today. And you're right, Owen, as well. I don't think there's too many elements of surprise in there. Oh, I saw Andy Carroll play as well today. He was, I can't believe we paid 35 million for him. I just don't know what we happened. The only solace I can take from that is that we got a good chunk of that back from West Ham, but... He was. He's rubbish. I can't believe that we paid somebody for that much money for him. So hopefully he plays and he has his typical rubbish days at uh, Newcastle against us. I, I wished him well at uh, Liverpool. There were elements and glimpses of him when he was at Liverpool that I thought, this is a really, really good player, but he's just never materialised. Injuries got the best of him. And now he's he's done his journeys and back to Newcastle again. I don't see anything in him as a player. He might turn around and score an overhead volley for 50 yards out, but... I, I doubt it. I hope he plays. Oh, can you imagine if he plays instead of Ka- um, Cannon Wilson, who's a, who is actually a really good player? Um, yeah, so he's got. Uh, I've got his stats in front of me. He's he's played uh, two hundred and three minutes in the league. No goals, no assists. Uh, eight matches off the bench, basically. Um, yeah, in his career, oh man, one hundred and forty starts in the Premier League. 238 total matches, so another 98 off the bench. 140 starts, 98 off the bench, 53 goals, 23 assists. It's all right, I suppose, if you're going to say it's a one in five striker. Um, But yeah, far from good, far from good and far from being 35 million. Uh, I believe Damian Connolly... um, for some weird reason, promised Newcastle a, a certain percentage of the of the Fernando Torres sale, um, which d- doesn't make any sense. But he just sort of promised them, no, no matter what we get for Torres, you're going to get X amount. So whatever 35 into 50 is, uh, so 70% of the fee. Um, that's what Damian Connolly promised Newcastle, and then he, and then he did it. Um, absolute madness uh, but I can't wait for that match um, just one final thing because um, we're going to end on a positive it was Fabinho's 100th game for Liverpool today in all competitions uh, which means that in, uh, English players Scottish players Republic of Ireland players and Wales players um, have had more appearances for for Liverpool than Brazilians. He's the sixth Brazilian to reach 100 appearances for Liverpool. But Fabinho, Fab, the fabulous Fabinho, I just want to ask you what your favourite memories of the genius are. I'm going to start with you, Ryan. What, what's, a, you know, one or two or, or go, go as many as you like, really. Uh, your best memories of Fabinho. OK, I'm going to leave the obvious one. Uh, so for me, my first top memory of Fabinho is the way that we signed them. So we're all on this this massive lull after losing in Kiev. 
yeah, it's Kiev. Uh, when we got beat by Real, and then literally the day after, before we'd even really had time to process what was going on, we we you know spent forty million on this amazing Brazilian player from Monaco who can score, scream, and penalties and free kicks and he's a right back but he's a defensive mid but he's actually a centre back and he's amazing in all of these positions um, and for me it very much reminded me of that in during that low moment that there were so many things to get excited about and how good we were not just on the pitch but off the pitch because uh, there weren't even any rumblings about us you know, being linked to this guy it, it was literally done like as soon as, as soon as you hear anything that you're hearing that it's done uh, so that made me really happy. Um, and, and I'm going to pass it on to Robin to, to come up with the obvious answer to this question. <laughs> OK, we'll see if it's the same obvious answer. I've, I've got a few of them, but yeah, OK. Uh, go on, what's the what's the obvious one for you, Robin? Well, first, thanks, Ryan, just for that. But the first thing uh, I want to say is I 100% agree with Ryan. The way that announcement was made about... Um, Fabinho, when he first joined, he just came out of Joe out of the blue. I didn't even really know who Fabinho was. I had to go and Google him and watch loads of videos about him to see, actually, he's not too bad. So he took a look, it lifted a little bit of the gloom out of that horrible uh, loss. Um, my favourite moment, I don't know if Ryan agrees with this, is that Thunderbolt shot against Man City when we beat them at Anfield. That was... My yes! Favorite. Was, was that yours, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's such an absolute piss missile that he hits so hard. But yeah, it's an absolutely he, amazing goal. He almost tried it today, a bit further out, a bit higher up. Didn't quite pull it off. Um, didn't know what came over him today in the first half, but that was a moment, and I think he just pointed to his wrist, indicating that it's about time that he scored one. Um, it's about time he scored another one as well, but I, I guess he's been moved further back in the pitch, but that was an amazing moment. But another another thing I like about him is I didn't expect him to be as good as he was, um, as, good as, as good as he is. So it's not only does all his all-round midfield, bossing, uh, closing down gaps, tackling, that's really good. But since he's moved back into defence, um, obviously we miss Van Dijk and Gomez, um, that goes without saying. But he's been a very good, strong understudy to that defence and now he's playing in that position he's more exposed to one-on-ones and what has really impressed me with is his decision making and his position of tackling or when to put that foot in and I don't know in terms of uh, physiology and psychology of how much time it takes to move that leg to the position that you want to do but he's timing of it is almost impeccable that he can get that ball not just get that ball, he gets it so cleanly and recovered to be able to pass that ball onto somebody else, that's been a highlight of me, of him this season, of his tackling at one-on-one situations that's one thing I take out of it Lovely answers yes, that is the one cracker that that goal, the timing of that goal um <laughs> Was absolutely wonderful. Uh, but yes, uh, his goal line clearance against Ajax this season, that was one of, one highlight for me. Uh, the way he played against uh, Robert Lewandowski as well. Uh, the first game when he was sort of chucked in at centre-back 
um, absolutely supreme, sublime. And of course, you know, a few of his chipped passes. What I don't like, we tried it again today. It's 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 one of the hardest passes in football. Is that chip over the defence, especially when your defenders are. Sorry, the defence of the other team is, is parked on the edge of their box. There's not much space between them and the goalkeeper. And they're all six foot five. And we've got small attackers. And Fabinho is one of the only players um, who was able to, to, to pull that sort of wafted chip off. Uh, anyone else who tries it, like a couple of people tried it today. And I just think you're just giving the ball away. It's very frustrating. But Fabinho, he's got the class to do it. Um, I watched him... Speaking of when 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 he was signed, I I had been watching him. I'd been doing some work on French TV, uh, which was really really hard because it was all in French and my French isn't. <laughs> I mean it's okay, but to be on live TV speaking French is another um, kettle of fish. It's another sort of you know cauldron of uh, of scorpions, um, but uh, yeah, I remember. So I, I'd been watching. Liga, quite a lot that that season. It was the season with the Mbappe, Fabinho, uh, Bernardo Silva. It was a truly magnificent team back before uh, Mendy, the left back, had been uh, Pep Guardiola in terms of the regression in his his ability. Like Bernardo Silva has been Guardiola, unfortunately. But they were so young, so vibrant, so exuberant. And Fabinho was a, really a player that caught my eye, especially because I love the number sixes. And he and he was he was just full of talent. And, and much like Thiago Alcantara, just one of those players where I saw and was like, wow, imagine if we signed him one day. And we did. Uh, just after the final, as as you so rightly reminded us, Ryan, and it was absolutely, it was the greatest pick me up that I could have asked for, um, apart from maybe signing Mbappe himself. Um, thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm going to go uh, now into the night. Uh, it's been a heck of a day. The boiler's on the blink, so. You know, and I cracked a tooth, um, but then my hot water bottle that I've been clutching to myself um, has now leaked all over me, and I didn't realise. Uh, but and it's on the floor, yeah. so it's it's never rains. It's it's poor zone. <laughs> it never rains, but your hot water bottle leaks all over you. Um, bad yeah, in all offices. <laughs> bad in, yeah, exactly. In the whole, in the whole skyscraper. Um, uh, I hope you have a better day than me uh, tomorrow, guys. Thank you for joining me this evening. And, uh, you know, um, I, I think you're right, Ryan, we, and, and Robin as well. We're going to come back. This isn't the end of the world. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, yeah.